Welcome back, guys. Did you miss us? Hello, hello. We missed you. Sorry, we were a little MIA there for a week or so. We had to take a little time to recoup a little bit. It's working and pandemicking and all the life. We just needed a, a little breather. So we need a break. You need a break. We all need a break, but everyone we're back. Kyle. It's going to happen. We're sorry, not sorry. The fact that we made it to like 30 some episodes without needing a break is, <laughs> I think, pretty good in and of itself. It's kind of miraculous. So, yeah, here we go. <laughs> yes. This week we are covering the Tom Capano case, if anybody's familiar with that one. Also called the Anne Marie Fahey case. Anne Marie was a. I believe 27 year old woman, 27, 27, 28, right in that age range, um, from Wilmington, Delaware. Her family was devout Catholics. Um, she was really, really close with her family. She had a lot of siblings. Um, she was kind of known as very insecure, um, just kind of kept to herself, was in her own shell. So she was, um, a receptionist for U.S. Representative Tom Carper. He was then elected as governor of the state of Delaware. So she was then promoting his scheduling assistant or scheduling secretary or whatever whatever derogatory term you want to use for that. <laughs> because I feel like secretary these days is like... I know. This is the 90s. Now it's the 2020s. We're administrative assistants and stuff. <laughs> I forgot to mention that. We're talking, like, mid-90s. Anne-Marie is about 28 years old. Uh, It was at this job working for Governor Carper that she met Tom Capano, who was an attorney, a very well-known attorney. He was a legal counsel for uh, Governor Carper Carper, and was also um, from a really rich family. They were into real estate and construction construction stuff he had uh quote-unquote connections yeah he's He's one of those guys (laughs) and he totally had like the mommy like his mommy was total like matriarch of the family and like ran show and he was one of four brothers he was very wealthy on his own he was not only um an attorney but he at one time was a state prosecutor, a city attorney, legal counsel for various governors, and worked as um, a legal counsel for various other people. So he was a pretty high-profile guy and was pretty well-known in the Wilmington area. Um, At the time that he met Anne-Marie, he was, I believe, 44 years old, married with four daughters, and he left his wife about a year after he met Anne-Marie. And Anne-Marie was, like, the eight, like closer to his daughter's age than to his. So that was fun. So Anne-Marie um, was basically, I want to say, like, swept off her feet by Tom. He was, like, when I... So this is not only um, a true story. It was a book that Anne Rule wrote about, the queen of true crime, Anne Rule. It's called And Never Let Her Go. I was telling Amber before we started this that I've read the book like at least twice and it's a super good book. And then they also have a movie, a lifetime movie. And the guy that plays the role of Tom Capano does such a good job in that movie. So I'm not normally a lifetime movie kind of gal, but this one was really good because I'd read the book. So, um, 
so he was like the ultimate schmoozer. Like he basically swept her off her feet. Like, and then as things do, they started to sour. (laughs) (laughs) That tends to happen with these type of affairs. Mm -hmm. Um, She met another man in 1995. They started dating kind of, met each other in 1994. Uh, 1995, she met Michael Scanlon, and she kind of had an off-and-on relationship with Michael and with Tom Capano. She really wanted to be with Michael, but Tom kind of would always find a way to, like, suck her back in. Reel her back in, sure, with all his power and his money and such, I'm sure. She's young. He's very powerful. They would always... He would take her to, like, fancy dinners... Um, they would always go to Philadelphia because they were both pretty well known in Wilmington. It's a fairly small town and he was high profile and she worked for the governor. So of course, a lot of people kind of have an idea who you are. So it was a really on and off thing with both Michael and with Tom, um, Anne Marie after spoiler alert disappeared um, she, they were looking at a lot of her journals, emails, like, of course, scouring everything. And she talked a lot about, um, her love triangle between the two guys. Tom was really, really like obsessive and controlling. And like I said, would always find a way to reel her back in. But as I mentioned before, Anne-Marie was also really, um, do you want to say vulnerable? She had an eating disorder. She, like, and that was the thing is Tom was always taking care of her. Like, make sure you take your vitamins. Make sure you do this. Make sure you do that. So and she, she was totally, like, preying oh. upon her, and oh. she was very impressionable. And yeah. yeah. I don't want to say she was mentally ill, but she was very insecure. She had a lot of varying emotions and had an eating disorder. So he definitely took every advantage he possibly could. Sure. So this was like a super on and off thing for a couple years. They would break up, get back together, break up, get back together, up until June of 1996. Uh, They were at dinner, a fancy dinner in Philadelphia. He had her back on the leash, and uh, it was June 27th. She was never seen again or heard from again, just literally vanished was reported missing by her family on June 30th and they Tom was pretty much always the primary suspect because she had friends that she would kind of confide in like oh this guy's kind of crazy you know the the conversations you have with your girlfriends like right and so when you go missing the girlfriends are like hmm we know who did it it was that dang Tom Capano (laughs) (laughs) and um so the investigation was over a year long it was like the 16 month mark um tom was arrested in november of 1997 they still to this day have not found her body and they looked at evidence so they had a grand jury and for those of you that don't know how this works For you to get indicted for a major crime like this, like a capital murder charge, um, which is what he got first. He was charged with first degree murder in November of 1997. They take it to what they call a grand jury and they present their case. And the jury decides if the person is going to be charged and arrested or not. They went back and forth with the grand jury for over a year because they had no body. 
they had no weapon. They had like nothing. Like they basically were so like, basically, she did it, but right. Like they have a motive basically, but nothing solid. That's um, crazy. A whole okay. year. Yeah. So basically piecing stuff together from what Tom talked about at trial, um, what the police and prosecutors were able to piece together he very likely murdered her at his home after their fancy date in Philadelphia. Um, he called his brother, one of his brothers, Jerry. And if you've watched the movie about this, the Capano family, it totally reminds you of like an Italian crime family. Like <laughs> it totally is. And that's basically like what it is, is, um, so he called his brother and asked him for help because, <laughs> Because he, um, what's my quote here? Killed someone who was trying to extort him. It's hard to say what Jerry knows because Jerry is not exactly, like, all the brothers are in some kind of scheme over here. Like, you know, they're, well, they're all over the place. Yeah, and if you're the kind of brother that, like, your family calls and is like, hey, I killed someone, and you're, like, willing to help them, like, <laughs> you're yeah. a little on yeah. the sketchy side as well. So he called his brother. His brother Jerry had a boat. He, uh, of course, he had a yes, boat. He had a giant. I think it was like 162 quart, which whatever that is, cooler. That he stuffed her body in, wrapped up in a blanket. But what he says happened at trial. He says that Debbie, his other mistress. <laughs> Um, she admitted to buying a gun for him and giving it to him because there was no firearms registered in his name. So cops are like, well, well, cops interviewed Debbie. And Tom's like, Debbie brought the gun to my house and she caught me and Anne Marie together. And she, I was wrestling to get the gun from her and it shot Anne Marie. Like, okay. Like, I think this guy's watching too many Lifetime movies. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, so they stuffed her body in this cooler, which there was a woman on the jury that they got a similar cooler. And Anne-Marie was 5'10", so, like, taller than your average lady. Um, this woman was 5'8", and had, wore heels to make up the height difference for Anne-Marie, this jury member. And she could not get herself in and close the lid. So, like, he basically had to, like, stuff her, break her bones, whatever, in to get her in there. And he, her in the jury, in the trial was like, I didn't break any of her bones. Like, I swear I didn't, blah, 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 blah. But it's like you don't have a body, so you can't yeah, prove no, anything. Yeah, it's basically what he says. And he, he's got this made-up story or whatever. And he was trying to protect Debbie and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, so they took her out on the Atlantic Ocean. They took this cooler with Anne Marie's body, his brother Jerry and Tom. They went sixty miles out to sea. As you would. Um, yeah. <laughs> they had two anchors in the cooler or tied to the cooler and tossed it overboard, wouldn't sink. So then they real they get the cooler back in the boat. You can't see my hand gestures right now, but I'm gesturing. They get it <laughs> back in. Take the body out of the cooler. Well, the, or first he shot the cooler to see if you know if I poke some holes in it. That didn't work. Still, it was still floating. So then he reeled her back in. 
tried to, took the body out, wrapped in the cotton blanket, tied both anchors to the body and, and dumped it overboard and just like left the cooler floating. Mistake numero uno. Mm-hmm. Come on, buddy. So uh, <laughs> Jerry helped him with this. And then Jerry also helped him dispose of a couch full of bloodstains and some carpet from his house. And they took it to a dumpster that was owned by his other brother, Louie. Of course. Yeah. So do you see? It's like a mob crime family. Like, <laughs> And I want to say, I didn't go back and look at this, but... I want to say the other brothers have been arrested on other charges, like not related maybe to this case, but like small crime, you know. Definitely. Things going. Sure. And then he called Louie, his brother, and asked him to dump the dumpster ahead of schedule to get rid of the sofa and the carpet. And this is all coming out at, at trial from what prosecutors found. Um. They did get Debbie to admit that she bought the gun and provided it to Tom. So that's something that they had in their court was they had Debbie. Tom's word mm-hmm. against Debbie's. But when that jury member actually got in the cooler and they couldn't close it, she said that was like a total moment for her that she like knew this freaking creepo did it. And that he just was like, she asked to go back, be excused to her hotel room. She said she just like sat in her hotel room and just like bawled because... She imagined being stuffed in a cooler. Oh, my gosh. Well, no kidding. Um, fun fact about the cooler, too. The empty cooler was found by a fisherman mm-hmm. in July of 96. So they found the cooler. Yep. But it matches the story of, hey, the body was, you know, taken out of the cooler. Yeah. Um, and also the that boat that Brother Jerry owned, it was missing the anchors. Mm-hmm. When it was sold. Yep. So, like, Jerry wasn't even smart enough to replace the anchors. That's how genius. Oh. Um, so, they had the other mistress on their side, basically, is what they had. They had nothing else. And this trial was, like, a very, very big thing in the 90s. You can find lots about it online. Like, it's it was a huge case because high-profile attorney sleeping with a legal secretary or, like, a governor's secretary that was... 44 and 28, so he's however many, 16, older than four. (laughs) We're back with our good math. (laughs) And um, it was just like a really big. I mean, everybody loves a good political affair murder scandal. (laughs) That always seems like there's one. It's like, come on. Mm-hmm. you're going to run for office or something later. Don't sleep with somebody. Exactly. Stay with your wife and your children. Look at you, Monica Lewinsky. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever. Uh, so the trial took like 12 weeks. And people were kind of thinking he wasn't going to be convicted because he was well-connected. They had no body. They had no weapon. They had no nothing. I mean... It was basically his word against the other mistresses. And Anne-Marie, with her instability and stuff, was kind of that. They really counted that against her in trial, the defense did. It would be like, oh, well, she was unstable. You know, they were trying every angle they possibly could. So That's ridiculous. So fast forward to January 17th of 1999. Tom is convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to death by lethal injection. 
unfortunately, I guess maybe I shouldn't say unfortunately because everyone has their own opinions about the death penalty, but he, it was later switched to a life sentence without parole. There was some like, I don't want to say glitch, but some change in the court that it was switched to that. And he filed appeals, I think with three different um, entities, I guess, trying to get his conviction overturned. All were rejected, and he actually didn't file a appeal at the Supreme Court, which is kind of weird because you'd think he would, like, take it to the top. Tom actually died in prison in 2011, so he was there for a decent amount of time, but um, he likely had a heart attack. And so we still, I mean, we know what happened to Anne-Marie, that her body's out at sea somewhere, but Debbie didn't shoot her on accident. No. Debbie, I mean, at best, Debbie, yeah, was, Debbie was bought the gun because she was also probably young and impressionable yeah. and was like, here, Tom, and that's that. And he was a total manipulator. Like, we're not going super into detail on this episode because that's just not the kind of cats we are. But this guy was just like a total puke and throws his weight around and he would say pretty much anything to manipulate anybody into what he wanted. Right. Just a very, like, I could just imagine him being just like a smooth talker, like super charming and. Yeah. Just a total piglet. Yep. For sure. So this one was an interesting one because I read about it so long ago. And then they were talking about, I was just looking at some articles today, actually, that were a little bit more recent articles that they talked about on the 20 year anniversary of the case and stuff. And it just still, I don't know why it's one of those books that's really stuck with me. Like I remember very clearly. So if, if you're looking for, if you're into Anne rule and true crime books, it's like probably it's the little hardcover books, you know, like the little rectangle ones. <laughs> and it's like, thick it is a giant book but it's so good so I highly recommend that if you're into reading that kind of stuff if you're not that's fine too but if you're not that's what we're here for we have like a 20 minute snippet for you yeah. you're welcome or check out the movie the movie is fantastic <laughs> I just think I hadn't heard of this one and I got really excited when Morgan suggested it and I was like ooh political scandal murder but I just think this one's so crazy. Like, it's so unlikely to convict without a body. Mm-hmm. And, like, the fact that, I mean, I know it was overturned, but the fact that they were actually able to sentence him to death even and, like, just, yeah. I don't know, like, prove that it was first-degree murder and just, like, everything that they were able to prove. And then also one fun fact that I found was... um the pro on the prosecution team, I don't know if it was the head head attorney or if it was somebody on the team, but was he was a thirty three year old assistant attorney. He'd never tried a murder case before, and he never tried another murder case again. Like he was like, I'm done. Take One and done. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could read lots about. I'm actually looking right now about at just random stuff about Tom, but. He, yeah, all of his other brothers were in and out of jail, true crime, you know, just like petty prop, tax evasion, that like kind white, of stuff. white collar crime, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, totally. 
and his brother actually that he called um Jerry was considered the black sheep of the family like he was the troublemaker well sure I mean he does help bury bodies at sea with his boat (laughs) it is worth noting too that um so Anne-Marie was one of five siblings I think it was five or six and her mom died when she was really young and her dad was an alcoholic so they think they said that like she was always looking for a father figure and being taken care of by her older siblings. So he totally just preyed on that, and that's oh. the that's the worst kind of person. Oh, absolutely. She was like super into schedules. She was a scheduling secretary, so I hope so. So that was they noticed that she didn't show up to a family dinner, and that's what happened. And they're like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. crazy little did they i mean i think um well her sister one of her sisters actually and her um boyfriend michael not tom went to her apartment and everything was there but Anne marie wasn't there and that's when they were like we're gonna kind of put a stop to this and called the police and up until that point they didn't really know any like her sister didn't know about tom they found information in her journal and like letters from Tom and that's how they found out about him. So they were like only a couple of Anne Marie's family or fam- friends, sorry, knew that she was even seeing him. Like it was so on the down low. I was going to say that totally makes sense though. And I'm sure he like probably had a part in that. Cause obviously he had, you know, a lot to lose with oh, anybody finding out about it. So hmm, that's crazy. Yeah, so his brother Louie <laughs> um, made lots and lots of money in real estate, but he had done, like, numerous payoffs to political officials, so, like, corrupt as could be. For brother, sure. <laughs> brother Joe was obsessed with one of his mistress- mistresses and got accused of kidnapping and raping her. Oh, my God. And his youngest brother Jerry, the black sheep, liked fast cars, boats, drugs, and booze. Sure. <laughs> I mean, don't we all? <laughs> As one does. <laughs> and Tom was the golden boy. Hmm. Maybe his mommy should have spanked him more when he was a little kid. <laughs> <laughs> or his aunt should have. So, interestingly enough, they found Anne-Marie's diary, which we talked about a little bit, her journal. She um, kept this diary pretty religiously. And the last, so I should mention that this dinner that they went to on June 27th, she, they come to find after that she was going to break things off with Tom. Like she had met Michael. She was like wanting to get married. She knew that Tom was never going to be able to give that to her. The last entry in her journal was, I have finally brought closure to my relationship with Thomas Capano. Oh, I just got goosebumps. Poor girl dead that day poor girl so she was trying so hard to get out from under this freaking creepers thumb and he just wouldn't and he had to, he would had never to murder. murder hence the title of the book <laughs> <laughs> thank you and rule you're a genius right <laughs> so this is a kind of fun one i'm kind of into the 90s there was a lot of crap that went down in the 90s 
There is. I mean, you don't think about it until you really get digging into cases, but it's, so this one was kind of a nostalgia thing for me going back in time, but poor Emery just kind of breaks my heart young and I know so much ahead of her. And she was just really planning on, you know, picking the boyfriend who could give her what she wanted and, and he wasn't having it. Tom was, and Tom wasn't used to being told no either. Shocker. Hmm. Well, I hope he enjoyed prison. Yep. And it was kind of, it's not funny when people die, but it was <laughs> noted in like his likely cause of death. He had a sudden cardiac arrest. So a heart attack likely due to his obesity and cardiovascular issues. <laughs> oh, for goodness sake. Oh, Tom went to prison and got fat. <laughs> he ate his feelings. <laughs> <laughs> kind of chuckle, like likely due to his obesity. I'm like the, the damn jail food. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so good. <laughs> oh, I can't imagine. No, me neither. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what we got for you today. Sorry that this is kind of haphazard. But you get what you get and you don't throw fit, as my mom always told me. <laughs> exactly. Hope you guys okay. this. It's a solved one. It is. Yeah. There's no body, which is always a devastating. For the family, but at least it was, at least there was some justice served. Yes. But yeah, so until next time. Yes, don't forget to let us know, too, if you guys have any other cases. We're happy to cover them for you. Heck yeah, send us your suggestions. Find us on Insta and Facebook. All the places. We're on it so until next time guys we will see you later stay safe and lock Lock your your freaking freaking doors and keep washing your hands it's just it's just a good thing to do i don't think we should even have to say that anymore but okay (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye. bye